0: hi this is christian Kuhn of urban village church in chicago it is great to be back with you this week i'm now two in a row two weeks in a row so I'm, i think i'm getting back on the podcast bicycle but i hope you are well we are finally getting some lovely weather here in chicago and so i hope that it is nice where you are too especially over this mother's day weekend for those of you who are celebrating that I'm going to read today from the Gospel of Mark and then get into some reflections on that as part of our sermon series called Our Bodies, Our Faith. I'm going to read uh, Mark 5, verses 21 through 43. So hear these words. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet, and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with them. And a large crowd followed him, and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside, and took the child's father and mother, and those who were with him, and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand, and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, Little girl, get up. And immediately, The girl got up and began to walk about. She was twelve years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this holy word. So one of the nice things about Facebook, of course, is to stay in touch with folks in different parts of your lives, sometimes the downside of that, uh, that can be a negative of Facebook too, but I've always been appreciative of being able to at least follow what has been going on with people that I have pastored in previous churches, and I've been uh, particularly interested in following along with a woman named Jan, who was a member of my church when I pastored the Methodist Church in Deerfield. Jen was a strong and still is a strong lay leader there at that church. And it certainly um, broke my heart a bit last uh, fall and winter when I read that she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And in the process of that for her, she wrote on her Facebook page, starting on December 8th, last uh, year, that she was going to write a gratitude journal. She was going to, every single day, write something for which she was thankful throughout her whole process of battling this cancer. So on day one, December 8th, 2016, she said that she was grateful for mammograms, for regular checkups, which was... uh, which. One out of which she was uh, able to get that diagnosed and which helped her to begin the process of of battling this disease. And she stayed with it as far as I could tell every single day and writing that gratitude journal of every single day, lifting up something, whether uh, it was chocolate strawberries or bad jokes or blue skies or soup or individuals in her life every single day she was writing something for which she was thankful in the midst of battling cancer. The big celebratory news was just this happened this past week, on May 11th. The news came through that she is now cancer-free. And that, of course, made everybody thrilled for Jan and for her family and friends. And that too made my heart sore for her and for her loved ones. And that whole process of the diagnosis in the beginning and then the good news this week and every single day in between there for writing in a journal made me think of this text that I read from Mark and also the focus of the sermon today about our bodies and what happens when our bodies don't cooperate. So I mentioned earlier that the sermon series is called Our Bodies, Our Faith, and we have in different times throughout this series talked about the mysteriousness of our Bodies, Both the goodness of this as we we live this out in various facets of our own lives, including our, our six lives and our everyday moving about, how they fit into the body of Christ, what does it mean to have skin and flesh, and then of course too as we reflect today on when our bodies don't respond in the ways that we want them to. My son had a little uh, camcorder that said you could take underwater, and so he tried that, and it didn't quite work out the way, and so we have to return that camcorder and go through the process of doing so. And I thought there are probably all of us at some time in our life, when we think about our bodies, think, is there any way that we can return some part of our bodies or maybe our whole bodies themselves? This is particularly true, I think, when people feel ill or a battle illness or disease. For some who are differently abled, they may feel that way too. I know for me, even when I get a common cold and that lays me up for a few days, my prayer life just gets terrible and it just goes to hell during those times. Even though I know so many of these healing stories of Jesus, and that should be a moment when I'm drawing closer to God and to Christ, but sickness, when our bodies fail us, or when we are physically uh, struggling, that takes us away from our faith lives. So we wanted to reflect that uh, today, and this passage from Mark is a good place to start. So we have two stories going on here. The first comes from a man named Jairus, who, as I noted in the scripture, begs Jesus repeatedly for his daughter, who has fallen ill And then as Jesus goes to be with Jairus and his daughter, that we then come to this other story of this hemorrhaging woman. Now, when we read this story of the hemorrhaging woman, understandably, a lot of time, the focus goes on 29, verse 29. And that again says, Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of of her disease. And we read this and we say, miracle, another one of Jesus' miracles. Isn't that amazing? And then when we continue on with the story of Jairus' daughter, And we go and we read that as they approach that uh, this daughter has died, but Jesus says, no, she is asleep. And then verse 42 says, the girl gets up and begins to walk about. And we say, miracle, isn't it amazing what Jesus can do? Both of these things are true. Verse 29, verse 42, powerful verses people have looked at these pieces of Scripture and have drawn amazing inspiration and strength and comfort from them. But I think if we only focus on this particular part of the miracle story, if we only focus on verse 29 and verse 42, I think we miss out on a lot more to the story, especially as it relates to our bodies and how we feel when we may want to trade our bodies in. So let's take a closer look at this woman, especially verses 25 and 26, as the passage, or this part of the passage, introduces her. And especially I want to look at the barriers or societal strikes that are against her. So again, picking up at verse 25, it says this, Now there was a woman. that's strike number one. Hopefully, if you've done uh, or if you've listened to my podcast before, have any sense of history at this time, you know that uh, women on the uh, hierarchical scale in the society at this time were pretty low on that list. Uh, There's an ancient uh, rabbinical prayer where uh, male males say, I am grateful to the Lord that I have not been made woman. So that gives you a little bit of a hint of where women fell on this uh, continuum. So strike one against her, now there was a woman, and then the verse continues, who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. Now here's strike two. Suffering from hemorrhages meant that this woman, who already was in a lower place in society, was in an even lower place. Because she would have been considered ritually unclean. And when you are considered ritually unclean, you may have read other parts of scripture where people who had leprosy face this same barrier in their own lives. And when you are considered ritually unclean, you literally have to separate yourself off from the community. You certainly cannot touch Anyone else. So someone who is considered ritually unclean is missing out on the power of human touch, but they are also missing out on community because often they had to separate themselves. There have been stories, we've, you may know stories of uh, people who have leprosy on the side of a road or calling out to Jesus to be made clean, and they call out because they can't get close to him because they have to separate themselves out and they miss out on so much, not just the physical ailment they have, but any emotional uh, struggles they have too, because they're separating themselves out. So here is strike two, this woman who has been suffering from hemorrhages. And then we continue, verse 26, she had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. Strike three, she's poor. She has spent all that she has on health care. And friends, can there be a more apt passage for us to read in this time in 2017 when we are talking about what it means to have access to health care? She has run out of money going to physicians and society has essentially abandoned her. This is can we get an amen that this is still true for us today as we have these arguments about who should pay for health care, who should have access to health care, particularly those with pre-existing conditions. And those who don't have that access feel like they are out of society because our society has turned their backs on them. And the only person they can go to, in her case, was Jesus. This woman has three strikes against her, and society has said to her, literally and figuratively, go stand over there. Do not integrate yourself into the community. Those today in our society, With chronic ailments can probably relate because it may feel like people are saying, especially with those with pre-existing conditions, and if there is a danger that they're going to lose because they're going to lose out because they're spending all their money on health care and they can't do anything else, it feels like society is saying to them, go over there and do not integrate yourself into the community. So not just missing out because you have to spend all your money and you don't have access to good health care, but two, there seems to be an unspoken password that to be a recognized member of society, it means you also have to be healthy. Anyone who has struggled with a, a wide variety of ailments, whether you are struggling with or have mental illness or whether you are living with AIDS or whether you have cancer or whether you are struggling with infertility, which is on Mother's Day especially, particularly a painful time for uh, women who struggle with that and who desire to have families. It feels like when you are living with illness, when you are feeling like, I want to trade my body in, it feels like society is saying to you, we don't have time for you, literally go over there. Jesus, of course, does not tell the woman to go over there. He does not tell her, to leave. He does not turn his back on her because of her pre-existing condition. Hence the miracle of verse 29, when she is healed by him, just by his touch. But can we also look at the other miracle, which I think is verse 27. Verse 27 said this, she had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. That decision that she made, I think, is also a miracle. After society has literally told her to go stand over there, that you are not a part of the community, she breaks through those barriers and has the courage to come up to Jesus and touch his cloak, as if to say, I am worthy of healing too. And this is the courage that I sometimes think gets overlooked when our bodies are broken. We all understandably want the story of complete physical healing. We want verse 29. We want verse 42. That's the miracle we want. But all of us also have a story of someone in our lives, or maybe that someone is you, who didn't get that particular miracle. And that's one of the thorniest questions of our faith. Why are some people seemingly healed and others not? And I believe in the healing power of Jesus. Sometimes that happens in very evident physical ways, Sometimes it happens in other ways, too, in verse 27. So a few years ago, when I many years ago, actually, when I first moved to Chicago, I volunteered with uh, an organization that delivered meals to um, men and women who were living with HIV, who were HIV positive and living with AIDS. And this um, story got back to my alma mater, uh, and so they... Came out, somebody came out to write a story in the alumni magazine about um, my doing this. And it actually was on the cover of the alumni magazine of of my um, sitting with a man who was living with AIDS. And the focus of the article was basically on me and this volunteering that I was doing. And so it was both, of course, it felt kind of good for that and a little bit humbling too. And because I was an alumnus of the institution. Understandably, that was the focus of the article, but sometimes I think the focus on those who are doing the healing that's where the focus lies on the people who were actually doing this. And I really wasn't doing a whole lot other than bringing meals to folks and maybe sitting down and having conversations with them. But that focus was on me and not necessarily on the man who was living every single day with AIDS. The man who was having to gather up the courage and the strength to receive the meals that I and others were bringing to him. And I think sometimes, too, in this picture that's in this alumni magazine, he is black and I am white. And sometimes, I think unconsciously, too, perhaps more of a focus happens when that um, dichotomy is present that the focus is on, look at this white person who is doing this amazing healing. And a person of color gets left out of the picture, and their contribution to their healing process for this man, having the meal, eating the meal, taking his meds, all of these things gets a little bit lost. We focus on the true miracle and the miracle workers, and we sometimes forget about those who live the miracle of every single day having the courage to live with whatever ailment they have, for those who want to trade in their bodies, who live with their broken bodies. I also was reminded this week of a man named Ty who goes to Urban Village at our Wicker Park site, and I remembered that he had put a Facebook status up. This is about a, almost about a year and a half ago. He put this up, and I found it. Ty suffers at times from depression, uh, and he wrote this Facebook status. This was January of 2016. I want to read this Facebook status to you. He wrote this: "Today I made my bed. Not big news to world, to the world, but big in my world." I spent a lot of my time looking for warning signs that I might be phasing into depression, but today I've noticed other things that I'm phasing out of depression. I've been waking up at the first or second alarm, not the sixth or seventh. My room is clean. I'm eating at regular times instead of maybe once every 30 hours or so. I'm eating regular portions. I'm waking up. The bed might not, have, had, ha, might not have had hospital corners, but the casual way I just did it happily surprised me and let me know things are different now than they had been for the last 18 months. For those keeping score at home, I made it again today. I was moved, so moved, by this Facebook status, because Ty was not saying, I am healed of my depression. That's the big story, I think that so many people want, understandably so, but when we don't get those big miracle stories, sometimes it's hard, and we either consciously or unconsciously say, Well, if you're ailing in our society, maybe you should just kind of go over there and don't get in my way and when you have your miracle story, then come on back and we'll happily celebrate with you with you and i don't again I don't think anybody intentionally does that, but I think sometimes unconsciously. We do, and we miss out on the verse twenty sevens. We miss out on those who have the courage to break through those barriers in our society and say, as I think the hemorrhaging woman did, I am worthy to be made well. Whether it is fighting for health care or whether it is fighting to stand up in our society to say, I am worthy to be healed. I am here among you. You must pay attention to me. That to me, I am so grateful for those miracles, for the miracles that I believe that are God given too. It is a struggle when we pray for the obvious miracles to be fully and completely healed. And I wish I could give you answers, those of you who have lost loved ones to disease, who struggle with ailments who battle illness. I wish I could tell you I knew exactly why this happened. I don't. All I can say is that I also believe that there are other miracles that are happening in our midst. And I would pray that God would surround you with people like the hemorrhaging woman who have the courage to stand up, or maybe others who stand up for you. And I'm also grateful for the miracles of waking up and making beds and keeping gratitude journals and eating a meal while living with AIDS. I'm grateful for those miracles. So grateful for those miracles. And I pray that God would give me the strength to not unconsciously say to someone who is struggling with their bodies that why don't you just go over there until you're ready to join society. So may all of us pay attention to those who want to trade their bodies in, whether that's you or someone you know. May we help them come to Christ. And may we celebrate that miracle and any other powerful healing that may take place in the process. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to these words today. And I pray that um, for you in your own life, wherever you are, that you might know the comfort and healing of Christ in whatever form that takes place in your life. If you are struggling and need to reach out to someone, I hope you can always reach out to me, chris at urbanvillagechurch.org, or on Twitter, I'm at Christian Kuhn, and I'm always happy to reach out to folks. And uh, I'm happy to help you connect to a community of faith if you don't live in Chicago. So, friends, thank you once again for listening, and I pray that the healing and power and courage that comes from Christ is yours this week. Peace.